Good morning. God is so good. He is all the time. We don't always recognize it, but He can't be anything but good. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Amen? And I am so blessed by God and by His people. Thank you all for your cards, for your prayers. I'm feeling much better. Good to go. But I will tell you, I was sitting on the couch and I was watching the message last week. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Jeremy did a great job. God used him wonderfully. He encouraged us. He challenged us. And I hope you guys are, are taking the time to really worship God and uh, give thanks to Him and glory to Him, not just Sunday mornings. Because is God just doing stuff Sunday mornings? He is doing stuff Sunday mornings, but He's doing it all the time. And He deserves the praise and the glory and the honor all the time. The Bible says if we don't praise God, the rocks and the stones will cry out. I am having no rocks or stones cry out while I'm around. Amen? Well, I am, I am just continuing to be overwhelmed by God in a great way as He continues to help me learn and understand what's important to Him. You know, we're... we're we're so used to having our own way and doing what we want and what we think is important and, and the priorities that we have. But um, we've given, as Christians, we've given our life to God, and so the priority shifts from us to God. And that's a good shift. A lot of times we think, well, if we, if we give God the priority, maybe I won't get what I want. You may not get what you want, but I'll tell you this, you'll get what you need. Because everything we want is not everything we need. We, we many times have this ideas that if I just get this, my life will be complete or my life will be better. I want you to know there's nothing out there that's going to complete your life like God will. There's nothing out there that will make your life better than God will. And so we've, we've been learning about how, how important this is to prioritize what God wants and, and do it the way he wants because he's created us and he knows what he created us for. But we're always in this tension in life of things pulling at us and us moving towards things. You know, throughout our lives, we have, we are in the country that's called the land of opportunity. Is that right? There are so many people in so many other countries, their, their sole focus and goal is to get to America because they see what what appears to them as what America is, that it's the land of abundance, it's the land of opportunity, and it is. America has been very, very blessed. Now, that's not to say that we don't have our problems, our challenges, we do, but that's what happens when people get together. But when God gets in the midst of people, then things can turn around and not be so self-focused and everybody wanting what they want, and people living this life that God has in a way that would bring a benefit to everybody instead of just looking to benefit us. But we are constantly being pulled by different things. And uh, this morning we're going to continue in talking about growing fruitful and, and the different stages because these stages are always in operation in our life. God is always going to be involved in these areas and we need to be involved in these areas because we'll never come to the place where, oh, I'm done with that. Because God knows that our lives are like an onion. Okay, You may get one layer off, but there's another layer after that, and another layer, and another layer, and we're going to continue to work and, and go from glory to glory and become more and more like Jesus uh, until we leave here to go to heaven for eternity. But until that time, God's going to be working in our lives and, and doing a work not only in us, but through us. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to look, continue to look in depth in what, what's going on. But before we do, let's pray. So if you bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you. I thank you for the people that are here gathered together in the sanctuary. I thank you for those that have joined us at home. Lord, you are where every one of us is. You're right there. And so, Father, we thank you that you are not just there, but you will work with us and work in us to do something amazing. Father, cause your super to be on our natural. And Father, today we, we need your participation. We need your intervention in our lives. There are areas that need to be adjusted and realigned. There are areas that need to be encouraged and strengthened. 
And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your spirit that lives in each one of your children. That today, Father, as your word goes forth, you said you would confirm your word with signs and wonders following. We thank you for the freedom that comes from the truth of your word and the life and health to those who find your word. We thank you, Father, for the light, illumination, and revelation that comes from your word and your spirit. That, Father, as we apply your word to our lives and see where it fits and where we need to adjust, there would be transformation. We would become even more what you have created us to become. Father, we, we know that you're taking us from glory to glory. And so we, we look forward today to hearing from your heart, Father, and aligning ourselves more completely and fully with you. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So you're aware that there are things that, that, that are trying to pull on you. You know, we're being marketed all the time. There are all sorts of things that, that we're being told or, or uh, being presented that our lives aren't, aren't complete without it. And so we, we buy into a lot of the marketing that's going on and we go after stuff. And yet, it doesn't seem like we ever accumulate enough stuff to make our lives fully satisfied because it's not the stuff that's going to satisfy us. It's God. God brings us to a place of fulfillment that nothing else can. And yet, we're always reaching towards things, and, and things are pulling on us. And, and, and so that dynamic that goes on in our lives is always present, and yet it's, it's deceptive in, in its pull, in its promise, that what we need is what they have, and if we'll just get it, then our lives are going to be just what we want it to be. And yet, the only one that, that can truly fulfill that is God. And uh, as I was sitting this week, just, just meditating on, on the, the message and, and just being with God, um, I was reminded of a relative of mine that my mom used to talk about. It was on her side of the family. And, and this relative, she and her husband lived in Central America and was a real character. And we would always hear these amazing stories about this, this couple. And uh, we found out that she was living in Mississippi. And when Debbie and I moved to Mississippi, we went over to spend some time with her. And she told us about her exploits in Central America and, and how she had a pet monkey. And I was reminded of this because of what she explained, how they caught monkeys. Now, I don't know if you know how they caught monkeys. But they would either make a box or they would get a coconut and they would cut the coconut in half and put something in it and close it up and bore a hole in it, a small hole, or they'd take the box and they would open up the back of it and put something in it and make a small hole and they would put it out for the monkey. They would chain it to a tree or something. And in that box or in that coconut that had been hollowed out, there was something that was fragrant, maybe a banana or, or something that would catch the, the monkey's attention to draw it over. And because it was desirable, the monkey would reach in without ever being able to really see it, reach in based on how it was desiring what was in there because of what it smelled. So there was a sense trigger there and grab it. And then they were caught. Because when they went to try and pull their fist out, it wouldn't fit through the hole. And the way they caught him was they would just walk up to him and throw a net over him and carry him off. And you say, well, well, why didn't the monkey run away? Because the monkey wouldn't let go. Because they wouldn't let go, they couldn't get away from the box, and they would be caught and taken captive. Now, I tell you this because as I was sitting thinking about that, it's a lot like us. The world has these boxes all around us, and, and we get attracted by what we see, what we hear, what we some sort of sense, and we reach for it, and we grab it, and if we don't let it go, we're going to be caught. And we're grabbing for all these different things, but when we grab, we've got to realize that we can only grab for so many things. There are only so many things that we can go after. There are only so many things that we can carry. And every time we grab out there, we loosen our grip on God. You can't grab for everything. You've got to let go of something. And today we need to realize that the some things we need to let go of are the things that the world's promising will fulfill our lives. And we need to grab onto God because the, He's the only one 
who knows who you are. He knows how you were created, what you were created for, and the fulfillment that you will experience in your life will come from allowing God to fulfill his work in you and through you. And that's really what Jesus was telling his disciples when we started to look at this teaching in John chapter 15, where he was talking about fruit, because that's what we were created for. Uh, the fruit in our lives is what Jesus chose us and ordained us or appointed us to produce. It proves that we're his true disciples. It also is what is greatly pleasing to the Father, and that's what we're created for. We're created for his pleasure. So in John chapter 15 and verse 1 through 3, we're just going to get a running start again, kind of review a little bit. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that, is, that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, these are the first two stages of fruit bearing, where we come into the kingdom and, and we will begin to bear fruit that was never possible before because we didn't have, we had the potential but not the power available to do it because it comes through God. And so we begin to bear fruit, but the way it happens is he, it says he uh, takes the branch away, but we know that the better translation is he lifts it up. And the way he lifts us up is he chastens us. And again, another word that we don't necessarily like, but when we find out what it actually means, it's necessary because we come into a new kingdom. We don't know anything about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is so different than the world that we live in. There are opposites. Jeremy was sharing some of those. These opposites are the world tells us to gather all you can and hold it as close as you can, and then you'll have what you need. But the kingdom of God says you've got to give. Whatever you hold on to, you'll lose, but whatever you give, you'll gain. And so this new kingdom that we have just become a part of, and if we're going to bear fruit, we have to realign ourselves. We have to reorient ourselves to a very different way. And that's what chastening is. When, when God lifts us up, he's lifting up our understanding, our perspectives from what the world has taught us to what the kingdom's truths really are. And, and that chastening is education. It's, it's uh, tutoring, mentoring, training. It's correction. And it's discipline. And discipline, the de definition of discipline, is taking something to a place of order and obedience. Because before we come to the kingdom of God, our lives are absolutely in disorder. They're all over the place. But when we come into the kingdom of God, God has for our lives to now become more orderly, more productive, more glorious. And, and when we're obedient, we know that obedience leads to greater blessing than ever before because really what we're doing is we're aligning ourselves with God where he can bring more to us and through us than ever before. And so that first part is about sin. It's about active sin that's still in our life. God reveals it. He initiates. He puts his finger on it and says, this, this needs to go from your life because sin produces death in our life. God doesn't want death. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. And so he'll begin to, to point those things out, and God initiates, but we have to choose whether we're going to participate. God may say, you know, this is, this is sin, this gossip, this gluttony, these, these are sins, and they're bringing death to your life. And we can say, you know what, I'm going to continue. And, and we can, but death is going to continue to work in our life. Or we can partner with God and adjust our lives and see God have some breakthroughs in those areas. Then the second one is pruning. God prunes us so that we'll bear more fruit. That pruning is cutting off. It's, it's removing some things that are dividing our lives, that are drawing us away from God uh, and, and His will and His ways, which is also His blessings and His life. And this is dealing with self where He reveals where we're still running our own lives. And if we say Jesus is Lord, he's the one that's supposed to guide us and govern us. But until we turn that over to God, we're going to be hit and miss in how we see God really working in our lives. And what God wants to do is God wants to work fully and freely in your life to bring blessing and life overflowing in you so that it would abound and overflow and impact and impart to the people around you. And then we began to look at the third stage, and, and that we looked at in verse 4 and 5, which is abiding. When we talk about abiding, it means to stay in a place or a condition or a relationship, to stand firm or steadfast, to continue, to remain, to endure, to preserve, to dwell or make a home, be present, 
consistently and continuously. You know, that's one of the things that we have a hard time doing in our society, being present. Have you noticed when you go out anywhere, people are on their phones? I mean, I watch and it just, I don't understand. And, and maybe it's because I'm the age I am. But if I'm sitting with my wife at dinner, I don't want to sit there with my phone and she has her phone and we're in the same place, but we're not on the same page. And it doesn't just happen at dinner times. People are sitting next to each other, not with each other. And when we think about division, that is the, the height of division. And anything divided won't stand. But God has for us to connect. And our connection is Him. When we're connected to Him, do you know we're connected with each other? There's a, there's a divine connection and an ability for us to, to interact with each other on a level that other people can't because there isn't that, that commonality. But he goes on to say, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do what? Bible doesn't lie. But what it's telling us, it doesn't mean we can't do things. We can do all sorts of things, but all sorts of things that we do, if we're not doing it because we're doing it in abiding in God, connected with God, then it amounts to nothing. And I don't know about you. I, I'm, my schedule is full. How about you? Do you have time to do things that don't count? But we're doing them. That's where if we're not doing what God has for us to do, the way God has for us to do it, it's not going to count. And we're all going to stand before the Lord sooner than later. And we're going to give an account. And I don't want to stand before him and have him say, you did okay, but man, you spent all this time, all these resources doing your own thing, and it didn't count for anything. That would break my heart because I don't want to do my own thing. I want to do God's thing. Because I know that's going to turn out much better. But in abiding, it's like the vine and the branch. When a branch abides in the vine, it grabs onto the vine. Okay, it's holding onto the vine for dear life because that's where life comes, its life comes from. When it holds on, it makes a way for the vine to begin to flood the life into the branch. The more restricted, the more limited flow. The more open and full, the more it's holding on completely, the more full the flow. That's why when we grab for things, when we're after this and after that, and we're getting stuck, and we're dividing our attention, our affection, our allegiance to God, which is limiting his ability to flow fully and freely in our lives. And he is life. So anytime we grab for something else, it doesn't mean we can't have things. God's not, God's not opposed to you having things. God's not opposed to you having money. Money is not evil. The Bible says the love of money. Our pursuit of money over our pursuit of God. See, that's when, when we get stuck, we get drawn away. We hinder and limit God's ability to fully flow and fulfill our lives the way he wants to. And so this abiding is so important. We need to be reaching out for God and allowing God's blessing to come to us. But recognizing when the blessing comes to us, don't turn your eyes from God who blessed to the blessing you got. Because when we do that, when we take our focus off God who blesses to the blessing, all of a sudden the blessing begins to control our lives. It's to give you an example. If somebody was praying, God, I really need a new job. I need I need a different job, and and all of a sudden they get this new job, and this new job becomes so important to them. They dive in with both feet, and they're working seven days a week, and now they don't have time for God the way they used to. See, these good things can turn into bad things when all of a sudden we start pursuing them more than we pursue God. Every good and perfect gift comes from him, 
But once we receive the gift, don't focus on the gift. You know, God's not opposed to you having a boat or a car or a nice house or a vacation or, you know, whatever it is. But if, if and I've shared this before, if you had at your disposal a private jet sitting down at Griffiths Air, 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 Airport, ready to take you anywhere in the world, would you be here? See, that's the question. What do you want most? What are, what are we pursuing? Because when we pursue all the things of the world, we can't pursue God. The Bible says that we're not supposed to love the world. Because if we're in the form of pursuing and desiring and chasing after the things of the world. We're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love ourselves, love our neighbors, love our enemies. But that comes from abiding in God. Abiding in God. And so in, in this, we, we need to abide in Him. It says, abide in me and I in you. When we initiate this, and this we initiate, God does the initiation. He initiates the other first two stages but this one, we choose to initiate. We move towards God, and God will move towards us as much as we choose to move towards Him. The Bible says, draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. So God's as near to you, as close to you, as known by you, as you're willing to let Him be known and be near. The only one that controls that in your life is you. But that's where the enemy deceives us and tries to get us to go after other things. And then it says... We have to abide in him, and he'll abide in us. Then in verse 7 and 8, it says this. I think. There we go. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. For by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you'll be, be my disciples. In this third stage of abiding, we bear the maximum fruit. We are overflowing the way God has for us, our lives to be overflowing. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and in blessing you, I'm going to make you a blessing to all nations. God wants to bring overflowing blessings, overflowing life, overflowing joy, overflowing peace, overflowing hope to you. So in blessing you, then you can be that blessing to others. But what's the connection? How closely are we abiding in God? Because how much we're holding on to God and seeking God and, and submitting to God will either hinder or open the flow of God in our lives the flow of blessings in our lives. And then in this he says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. So the first one is God is abiding in us. If we abide in him, he'll abide in us. And how does he do that? How does God abide in us? By his spirit. His spirit lives in us. God wanted to make sure that there would be nothing, nothing at any time in any circumstance or situation that would stop you from connecting with him. And so he said, I'm going I'm to put my spirit in you. And so Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. So there's never a time that you're without God. There's never a time that you're alone. There's never a time that you don't have all heaven and all the resources of God available to you. But many times we don't even think about that. That's not our first, first thought. So, Holy Spirit abides in us. And then this is saying His words abide in us. If we abide in Him and His word abides in us, we can ask what we desire. Now, that, that sounds a little dangerous because we can ask for a lot of things, and a lot of things we ask for are not necessarily the best things or what God wants. But when God's word truly does abide in us, it dwells in us, it makes its home in us, it's present, we're not going to ask for a lot of the things we've been asking for. Because we're not going to waste our faith on those things. But on the true things that are valuable and what God wants. And so we see those, those two aspects of abiding. His spirit abiding in us and his word abiding in us as we abide in him. And then we move on to the third aspect of this abiding. And that's found in John chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. 
And this is what it says. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Now, that is a monumental, life-changing, life-altering statement. If we just taught this and thought about this and meditated on this this week, what is, what is Jesus saying? As the Father loved who? Jesus, right? Did the Father love Jesus? How much? Yeah, with everything. There is nothing that, that stopped God's love, hindered God's love. It was perfect. It was full. It was continuous. It was uninterrupted. And he said, I, have, I also have loved you. As the Father loved me, I also love you. Let that sink in. Because we've lived in a world, and we live in a world of conditional love. We have been trained, we've ex been experiencing the fact that people love us when we do what they want us to do, or what they like, or what they told us to do. But when we don't do what somebody has told us to do, or what somebody likes or wants us to do, what happens with that love? It just dries up, it disappears. That's not true about God. God has always loved us, will always love us, and even in this time, we're, we're his, but how many of you know we still do things God doesn't like? We still do things that God's told us not to do. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I've been challenged by that because being trained by the world, not being transformed and realigning with the kingdom, my thinking, I've always thought, you know, I can't go back to God as soon as I sin, do something against what he wants. I can't go back to him. i got to show him I'm really sorry, and so I beat myself up. And guess who shows up for that? The enemy. And, and he'll jump in and beat some more. And we feel so unworthy. But it's not about our worthiness. God loves you. Jesus loves you with no conditions. The Bible says that he has loved us with an everlasting love. It doesn't matter as far as God's concerned, as far as his love for you. He is always loving you. What matters is when we don't do what God loves, we pay a price because that sin exacts a result, and that result is death. And so... Right here, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide my love. Begin to make a home in that. Begin to be comfortable. Settle down in the love of God. When you feel unworthy, you have to cast down that thought because it's not about worthiness. This is not about conditions. This is about God loving you. God loves you. God has always loved you. God will always love you. And then it says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. This is what helps us open up to that love flooding our hearts. And listen, this is really important in this hour. Jeremy had a great message last week. And it was about worship and what? Come on. Worry. Yeah, worship and worry. Those were the two W's, right? Okay. And, and we tend to worry a lot. We tend to have a lot of fear coming at us from all different directions because we've got so much input download into us from all different sources, and most of that stuff is crap. It's about the stuff that's going on in the world that is so bad that the enemy's behind. All right? I'm not saying it's not true, but I'm telling you it's not helpful. And all of a sudden, it starts to come at us, and then it gets in us. And we start to get worried. That worry moves into fear. Then we have panic attacks and all sorts of things. Do you know what the love of God does? The love of God is perfect. And the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. It removes fear from your life. How can, how can the love of God remove fear from my life? The way it happens is you hear what you hear, you see what you see, you experience what you experience, but then you recognize God loves me. God loves me 
just like he loved Jesus. Jesus loves me just as the Father loved him. Father never left him alone. He went through. He made it through everything that came at him. It wasn't that he didn't experience difficult times. Listen, difficult times are part of living in a fallen world. But understand this, as difficult as the times are, as the situations and circumstances are, you will be brought through into the life God has for you. And nothing can prevail against you. And when you realize God loves you, he's not left you alone. God has all the resources of heaven. He will be with you and bring you through into He'll redeem to the uttermost rescue from loss. He'll work it for good. He'll supply all your needs. And all of a sudden, that fear, that worry, that anxiousness, it's just pushed back. And we're in that place of confidence, of calm, of peace, of joy, of hope. Because of the love of God. Abide in my love. See, if we're going to abide in God's love, we need to align ourselves with God. When we keep his commandments, we continue to walk in his love. When we divert from his commandments, we, we struggle with that. Abide in my love, that perfect agape love. And then in 1 John 4, 6, 16. John writes, and we have known and believe the love that God has for us. Do you believe God loves you? Or are you still struggling with that perspective, that reference point of the conditional love of the world that we grew up in, we were raised in, we live in, and yet we're part of a new kingdom. We're in this world, we're not of this world. There's this new kingdom we live in that the head of the kingdom says, I love you, and that settles it. If you believe it, you benefit from it. If you don't, it's still the same. I still love you, and I'll never stop. I'll never change. But you have to believe to, to receive the benefit of it, because if not, you're going to be like an orphan. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send myself another one just like me to you, the Spirit of God. For God is, is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So we abide in love, and God abides in us. We are filled and we are surrounded with God. What is there to fear? And God is for you. He is for you. And that is our DNA. What is DNA? Does anybody know what DNA is? I'm not talking about the technical definition. DNA is the building block that's unique to every human being. No two individuals have the same DNA. It is unique. It is amazing. It is what we're built through. Every cell in your body has a DNA code, and it's the same in every one of your cells, and no one else has that same code of DNA. And we as Christians have DNA. I'm not talking about natural DNA. I'm talking about spiritual DNA. And that DNA is divine nature activated. When we come to God, all of a sudden, we begin to come alive for the first time in our life. We've had life, but not, not the life that God has for us. When we receive Christ, all of a sudden, everything that we were created with, all the potential, now, for the first time, whether that's when we're 6 or 60, we have the potential that is energized to be fulfilled because God is now in our lives who created us and designed us the way he did. And so that divine nature activated, that DNA is so vital for us. Without DNA, we can't live humanly, but without DNA, we can't live spiritually. And this DNA, this DNA is unique. But it's something we all have. We have a divine nature activated, and God is that connection between all of us. Now, we have, we have a DNA here at RLC. You may say, well, what, 
What do you mean? Our church has a DNA? Yeah, yeah. We, we, have, we have something that God has spoken about this church. And is it for only our church? No, I think it's for every church. But this is what God spoke to us about this church. And our DNA is our vision. And it's in the middle of our name. What's the name of this church? Resurrection Life Church. And that word life stands for love and full expression. Because that's what God has for us. Our vision, the vision God has for us is all about love. There are three aspects to the vision of this church that are all about love. To know the love of God personally and practically. God wants you to know that you are loved and that He is loved. And that he never changes. And this is about communion with God. We have the opportunity to have intimacy with God. Think about that. You know, there are people in your life you would love to have just a few minutes to talk to. Maybe a meal with. And they're just, they're beyond your reach. Listen, this is the creator of the universe. The one who has all wisdom. All knowledge, all power, all peace, all joy, all life, and he's available. Not just on Sundays. He's available every day in every situation you find yourself in, whether it's a celebration or a struggle. He's there. He wants to celebrate you with you, and he wants to bring you through the struggle. And as much as we wish, I, I wish I could get to this person, they could help me, there's nobody that can help you like God can. And that's where we have to grow in that. We believe that God has for us to grow as individuals, as beings in our intimacy with God, in our communion with God. And we do it here on Sunday mornings. We do it on Wednesday nights in life care, but we should be doing it every day in our time with him. The only thing hindering us from connecting with God is us. So that's the first part of the vision, to, to know the love of God personally and practically. The second part is to grow in the love of God because this is always developmental. Just like going from glory to glory, we're going to grow in the love of God. We begin to have the love of God poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But now we have to give place to the love of God. And we grow in the love of God in community. There's no time you have to live more in love when you work with other people, when you interact with other people. This is, this is the interaction. We grow in the love of God in building community in the body of Christ, like-minded faith. We interact with each other. We do life together. Because God never intended any of us to do life alone. And so when you go through something, for you not to have to go through it alone, you've got to have brothers and sisters. Yes, God is there, but sometimes we need people. We need God with skin on, and that's people, brothers and sisters in Christ. We need people to weep with us when we weep and rejoice with us when we rejoice. We need people to help us through the everyday life because we can't do it. God never designed it and desired that we would do it on our own. And it's not just about a little group. It's about the body of Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. But you are also part of the body of Christ if you're here at RLC. And we have an opportunity and we also have a responsibility to do life with each other because we need each other's help. And then the third aspect of the vision here is to show the love of God. To show the love of God. This is about investment, investing in other people, saved and unsaved. We need to go through life wherever we go, whether it's walking through the door here we're walking in love and, and we're sharing the love of God with people. It may be just a smile. It may be, hey, I'm glad to see you. Glad you're here. How are things going? Can I pray for you? Is there something I can stand with you for? Or just giving them a pat on the back. Whatever it is. And people out there that don't know Christ, man, they need it more than we do. 
And the only place they're going to get it is from God, but he's living in you. He's living in me. We're the carriers of the king. And wherever we go, the Bible says the kingdom of God is at hand. How much is the kingdom of God impacting the world we live in is up to us how much we're letting it flow in us and through us. And this love, this love is something that we can abide in. We can choose to let this happen. You know, vision is important because we need to have to know where we're going. This vision never changes. This is what God has for us to do every day of every week of every year that we have here. But we have vision for the year. Do you know that the vision for 2022 has been staring you in the face almost every Sunday? It's these banners. Micah 6.8. You know. The Lord has told you what, what is good. He's told you what he wants from you. He wants you to do what is right to other people, to love, to be kind to others, and live humbly obeying your God. Everything in this church is to bring glory to God. Everything in this church is to be done in the great, by the grace and the mercy of God. Everything in this church is to be done, motivated by the love of God. Love for God and love for others. You know, we have, we have a great commandment. What's the great commandment? To love God with all. Yeah, it goes on to list things, but it, once all is said, it doesn't matter what comes after it, all is all. Love God with all. Then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But we're also told to love our enemies and bless them and pray for them and, and, and do good for them. See, love is the kingdom because love is God. And that's why our lives, if we abide in God, that love is going to begin to flow and begin to flood our lives. And in 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible tells us, now abides. Do you remember the three things, anybody? Faith, hope, and love. And then it says the greatest of these is love. Now, when it says abides, it means remains, just like we we need to abide in him. We need to be, remain in him. We need to be steadfast, enduring, persevering. We need to make our home in him. These things make their homes in us, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And yet, how, how does this relate to what we're learning? We're learning the very things that these three attributes, these three characteristics should be in our lives. When we talk about hope, that comes from the Spirit of God living in us. The Bible says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you would abound to even more hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Holy Spirit lives in us, hope will arise in us if we abide, if we choose to connect and allow the flow of God to be in us and through us instead of the world overwhelming us. Faith, that's where the Word abides in us. When the Word abides in us, all of a sudden faith rises up. And then, obviously, love. And the greatest of these is love. If we will do these things, if we will allow God to chasten us, to discipline us, to, to realign us, to get our lives in order according to the kingdom and to get us into obedience according to God's Word, all of a sudden we're going to see less destruction and death in our life because of the, less, the, the, the sin being removed. And then if we'll allow God to prune us, to release us from relying on self, what we know, how we do things, and begin to rely on God, our Savior, and then abide. Abide in Him and let Him abide in us. Abide in him and let his word abide in us. Fill us, flood us, stabilize us, secure us. And then let love. Let love 
his love abide in us because that love never fails. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, this is not something that God wants us overwhelmed by because he is a willing, more than willing, he is a waiting and desiring participant in our lives. He wants to be involved, but he loves us too much to control us or force himself on us. And this is where the abiding is so important. We partner with him in the first two stages, but we initiate. We begin to move towards him. We draw towards God, and he draws towards us. When we connect and reach out to hold on to him with everything in us, then he can flow everything from him to us and through us. But there's an adjustment that's made constantly in our lives. God monitoring where 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 is sin getting into our lives and us responding and rejecting, putting off the old man and putting on the new man that's renewed in righteousness and true holiness. And God is, is searching and he's showing us where we've gone back to us running our own lives and doing our own thing and determining what's best instead of relying and submitting to God who always does best. And then abiding, then connecting and saying, God, of all the things I need, I don't need anything like I need you. Of all the things I want, I don't want anything more than you. Father, right now in this moment, help us to to bring great glory to the, the Father. Lord, help us. Help us to fulfill what you have appointed us and ordained us to do. Help us to bear this fruit that people would know, like you said, Lord, that we're your disciples by our love, one for another. That they'll know us by that fruit. Father, help us to allow you to have your way and, and flood our lives so that fruit of the Spirit would be in evidence. The fruit of good work would be constantly a part of our lives, impacting and imparting to the people around us. Father, thank you. Thank you for not leaving us alone or to our own ways but always being present. Always willing to redeem our situations. Always imparting life and life more abundant. Father, I thank you today for healing. Healing hearts. Healing minds. Healing relationships physical healings, emotional healings, mental healings. Father, wholeness. Lord, you are our shepherd. Psalm 23 says you restore our soul. Right now, Father, I thank you for bringing wholeness to the souls of your people here and those that are watching. And not just in this moment, but a continuous going from glory to glory. Lord, we're, we're quickly approaching your return. And we know that the, the field is white with harvest. Send us. We don't have to go to another nation. We've got a nation right here that needs, needs you needs your love, needs your truth, needs your hope, needs your patience, needs your kindness. And Father, let us be bearers of that. Father, we want you to live bigger in us than ever before because we have allowed more space and more place for you. We 
thank you, Father, for the good work that you've begun. That you're faithful to complete because you're at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. And Father, if there's something right now that we, we're unaware of that you want to do, you want to realign or you want to remove or you want to release in our lives, just let us know. Father, we know that waiting on you is not a waste of time because as we abide, wait on you, we renew our strength. We mount up with wings as eagles. We run and we aren't growing weary and we walk and we don't faint. Father, we thank you for the impartation that happens during abiding that we can't receive any other way. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we release you today, we have an announcement to make. I'm going to ask Debbie to come up. get to know you. Uh, Courtney Coffin, Gloria Coffin, Alan Crockett, Jennifer Crockett, Denise Lezak, and Heather Sullivan are all part of our team now. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you would all stand. God has a great week prepared for you. God has for you to impact the world that you live in that He so loves that He gave His Son for. And He's sending you to the people that He loves. Some of them know, some of them don't know that He loves them, but we're His ambassadors to show that. And so I just want to pray over you, Heavenly Father, thank you for those that are here, those that are online. Thank you for your presence that never leaves us. God, we're so grateful that you are always with us, and that you want to bring abundant life to us and through us. Thank you for going ahead of us and preparing the way and being our rear guard. Father, thank you for this opportunity this week to know you and to make you known, to love you and to show your love to all others. Father, we thank you that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from your love, from your life. And so, Father, we thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and the best that's yet to come. Yes. We praise you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Have a great week. Amen.